Hello and welcome back. I am so excited to finally be with you here again with a new episode, a brand new episode after our short break over the holidays to regroup and plan season two. So this is episode one of season two. And with me, I have none other than the wise and wonderful Alexa Schoen, who you might remember was actually the very first woman I spoke to for the first episode of season one when this whole crazy project launched. So I could think of no better person to invite back for the launch of season two. Alexa, welcome. Hello. I am so glad that this has become my accidental cameo performance in this life. I I love it. I'm glad that I get to pop up whenever I want. I feel like, I don't know, like one of those cool supporting characters in sitcoms in the 90s. That's like, yes, it's an episode that's got that guy in it. And you're like, it's me. Hello. Hello again. That's, ex- that's exactly <laughs> what this is. So you are, yes, you are our recurring favorite, the woman I always like to speak to when we're working things out and um, and explaining stuff. So thank you for spending your Monday here with me. Oh, and I'm so happy to do it. And also, I mean, spoiler alert for everyone listening, this is going to be another reverse episode. You're the one who's on the in the hot seat, on the hot seat. You're, it, this is a hard work for you and not me today. How about that? Maybe, maybe. I feel like, I feel like, you know, what we have is a conversation, but you're right. You'll be driving the conversation um, to explain our new look and new sound and, you know, all the things that we are doing here in season two. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, to, to set context for everyone, I guess, and for this conversation, uh, as we begin season two, I say that, see, as if I'm actually part of the show, recurring cast member privileges. You are, you are recurring cast, cast member privileges. <laughs> uh, there's, there's a new look, there are new sounds. This is the, the next evolution of the podcast, formerly known as Tell It Like It Is. Um, and so I'm, yeah, I'm honored to be here for the evolution. And so why don't we, I guess, kick it off by you kind of walking us through why the heck does it look different now, Cassandra? I think a lot of people will have heard already that when I started this podcast, it started mostly as a creative project to keep me busy in lockdown, you know, and, and to keep me positive as well in lockdown, working towards something that I, I really cared about. I honestly didn't expect it to last longer than eight to 10 episodes. I thought I would interview eight to 10 amazing women I knew, ask them to tell the whole truth about you know, their journeys Mm -hmm. uh, and what they were still struggling with. And I would get some value out of that. And hopefully a few other people get some value out of that. And if nothing else, I would have fun. But what happened was that we really reached a lot more people than I expected to in a really short amount of time. And what we were doing seemed to resonate. And so I was learning as I was going and I was hearing feedback about what was most valuable. And I was also just feeling in the interviews about what was most valuable. And I realized that what we really need to hone in on, or at least what I need to hone in on in this moment in time is not just, you know, what it looks like to be a woman, you know, living your whole truth out there. I mean, that's certainly valuable and there are plenty of other people doing that. 
But I really think we need to think about what influence means and what it can mean. What it, what you can do if you are in a position of power mm. and what is being done if you're in a position of power. And we need more voices from people who are not white dudes in suits in power mm. to give us that example. And so that's really what I want to hone in on. It's not massively different from what I was doing. It's just a little bit more of a microscope on one part of what I was already doing. That's that's solid. I mean, I think you and I have discussed this several times now over the past several months. And uh, yeah, I think for our listeners as well, what what they should know is you're not just like a close friend, but you are the person (laughs) I come to and I'm like, I've just, I've got an idea. Can we just listen to me talk at you for an hour? And then, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, exactly. I'm, I'm honored to be that. I was talking to my mom the other day, short tangent, tangent story. Uh, and she was like, well, that's great, honey. Isn't that what you like doing? Strategizing? I don't know. We're talking about something. And I was like, no, I, I just like to stop people from doing something stupid. <laughs> so, I was like, that's my favorite activity. So yeah, yeah you're I, very good at it. I'm if I can help you from making stupid decisions every once in a while, then I'm, I've done my job. Uh, you and I have been batting around these ideas for the last few months. And, you know, one thing that I think we both get frustrated with, and a lot of people get frustrated with, is the fact that whenever you talk about women in power or women in careers or women doing anything, uh, all of a sudden the the branding is a very specific form of pink. And where did all this cursive mm-hmm. writing come from? And mm-hmm. uh, it very quickly turns into this sort of... Uh, even though it's a modern sassy take on it, it, it's a very 1950s style of, you know, well, isn't this so great that you're a woman and you might be in the workplace? And what is it to be a mother in the workplace? And what is it like to be a woman? And it's very rarely about what these people are actually accomplishing because you're talking just about the fact that it's like, look at me, I'm a woman doing things outside the house. How wild is that? Yeah. Um, And it's hard to, I think, uh, you know, define any, any podcast or any conversation or any discussion that sits in this spectrum, right? Because on one side you have like careers, let's hustle. Like, you know, I don't know, Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, like, like that's, that's a fantastic version of entrepreneurship uh, that a lot of men and women and non-binary people all look up to, but that's pretty masculine heavy. And then on the other side, you have like, woo, hashtag girl boss, like, this is great. Um, and there, there has to be something in the middle and something that, that you always center on is this idea of power and influence. And I've, I've pushed back on this a few times because for some reason, for me, the word power just, I don't know, it doesn't really resonate. Like I, I don't feel not powerful. I don't feel super powerful. I just, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really care about that word as opposed to impact or, you know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. whatever key values I'm supposed to have as a millennial. Right. So, uh, (laughs) so why, like, why power? Because the new title is power done differently. Why your obsession with power specifically? You know, I I remember when we did our first reverse interview for this and you said, you asked me the question I ask in my, in my quick fire round at the end, which is uh, one of the questions I ask, which is what don't women talk enough about? Mm. And I said, our own power. And I hadn't 
rehearse that. That's really just something I, I truly believe. And it's something I've come to believe more and more as I've done these interviews. One of the other questions I ask in that, in that quick fire round almost all the time is when do you feel you're most powerful? And not every time, but many times an answer will, answer will come back to say, mm, you know, I don't really think of myself as powerful. Mm. And I think it's because we associate power with dominance. It's this incredibly masculine, and I don't mean that in terms of like, you know, men are bad, but just this very aggressive, domineering version of power we have in the world. And that is actually preventing us from pursuing the influence we could have in the world because we think to be to be powerful is somehow bad it's aggressive it's domineering but actually being powerful is just saying or or, or if you you know cultivate your own power it's really just a matter of saying i want to see something different in the world i want to influence a change in the world and how am i going to do that you mm-hmm. have to you amass the power to do that. And and power comes from your ability to work with other people. It becomes the ability to, to leverage resources to, to change things for the better. And I think in this moment of time, I mean, the listeners, if you're a regular listener, you know by now, you know, I'm very, I'm a keen follower, follower of politics. I get involved in politics in the areas that I, that I work in. And I think by now we're starting to see some examples of when you have more diverse leadership Hmm. in power, you have different outcomes. So, yeah, yeah, sorry, let me stop. I'm I'm, No, you're, you're exactly right though. And I think I, of course, the one that we all instinctively think of after, you know, the first year of the apocalypse, now we're recording this in the second year of the apocalypse, Mm -hmm. uh, is how just almost comically different the outcomes were between countries dealing with a pandemic that had women in charge and countries dealing with a pandemic that had men in charge. And again, to your point, it's not men versus women, but that is a very uh, stark, just hilariously obvious example of something that people have been trying to articulate for so long. If there are women on your bored, your company tends to be more profitable, like all of the different things and and to just see it in black and white like that. um, I I think that's one good example of of what you're describing. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's not necessarily a, a women versus men thing, but I think for centuries now, we have had an example of the kind of person who was at the top, who had the power, the top of companies, the top of countries, you know, the top of school boards, the top of, you know, everything. Yeah. And more times than not, that person exercised power in a way that was like domineering, power over, not necessarily thinking about the good of the community. And there are examples, I am sure, of men who are also doing power differently. And maybe one day I will interview those men too. But right now, I want to focus on women because 
you know, something like 80% of the news coverage goes to men, right? Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like we don't have enough examples of it being done differently. And I want to help bring those examples to the world. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, this, this situation we're in with coronavirus, I mean, think if every country had responded the way Jacinda Ardern responded. You know what though? In I New saw, Zealand. I saw a great I saw a great tweet about this, which I know you will love, which was please all of you out there, like stop having a fetish for our prime minister. <laughs> Go elect your own local people. Uh, totally. Which, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, I know you you think the same way about it, but I think it's also easy to we find these one or two examples. Mother Teresa comes to mind, right? And we're like, see, mm-hmm. like that's what it should be like. And then we put them on a pedestal. And, uh, you know, something I, I also saw recently on Twitter because it's part of my day to day life was uh, with all these amazing new people in power in uh, the States. And whether that is Kamala Harris or the youngest inaugural poet ever, Amanda Gorman. They said, which woman are we going to throw up on a pedestal just to watch them topple over later? Mm, Because mm -hmm. we also do this so often with women in power is like, oh, thank, you know, thank goodness there's a good one now. We, and we shove them all the way up there. Um, And, and that's dangerous in its own right. But I, I want to, I don't know, kind of maybe concretely talk about some, some examples of this thing that you were just describing about, uh, there's a certain type of person who always is in power and this idea of power and dominance. I think that really clarifies some stuff for me. And actually the, the person, fictional character, is thinking about the entire time you're talking was Miranda Priestly from Devil Wears Prada, right? Because, <laughs> oh, yeah. because there yeah. is this very classic, uh, you know, hard, stoic, scary woman figure of the kind of old fashioned power that you're also describing. And we, you know, easily forgive and understand those women. And I don't really have an opinion. We don't really need to go into it on like, well, they had to, you know, that's how you had to be, but like you, you had to do what you needed to do to get to the top or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think what would be helpful for me is, I don't know, I like, I'd like to hear some examples above and beyond the people that you've interviewed already of who who out there is doing power, quote unquote, the right way, or at least differently. And for me, I'll, I'll start first since I'm asking the question. The first person who comes to mind, non-binary person who comes to mind is Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. Um, <laughs> it's just this kind of, he, he easily, you know, if he said something was the new hot thing, it would blow up immediately. And if, and if he said that you should all read this book, like happily people would go and buy it. And that's, that's an extreme kind of influence. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that he really, or they really understand that they have this kind of power um, mm. and, and are trying to use it for good in, in the best way possible. You know, he's written a children's book about, growing up non-binary and he's, he is HIV positive himself or themselves. I'm, I'm screwing up my pronouns a little bit. I think he goes by multiple ones. Uh, so that's, that's one example to me of this would be a different way for us to think about the power archetype. Do you have specific people who, who come to mind when you think about it? I think it, yes, absolutely. And I think it's so good that you chose somebody from pop culture Yeah, because 
one of the other things I really want to emphasize is, I mean, I'm really interested in political power, but I'm interested in power and influence wherever it is, right? And you you have to capture a popular culture in that as well, just like you have to capture businesses in that, in that as well, because those are the things that really shape our lives and shape who we are. Um, and so I think looking at those kind of influences is super, super important. If yeah. we take an example from the political sphere, um, I, I think that one of the examples that is been twirling around in my mind recently because we've just had the inauguration is the way that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris share power, right? And we actually could have taken that example from President Obama and Joe Biden as well. Joe Biden was a really, really active vice president, whereas oftentimes vice presidents are just relegated to the sidelines. Um, We can already see how instrumental and how integral Kamala Harris and how she really is helping to shape the message and policy is. And we'll see, I think, you know, my prediction is we will see that evolve even more so over the next four years. So that is an example of, you know, we see the president in America as the, and how many times we heard it's the most powerful person on the planet. So if you, if you reorient that and say, these two people are sharing power at the top, they are working in concert to make decisions and decide how to go forward. That's another way to do power differently as well. Yeah. This idea of um, very quickly turning it into a platform as opposed to, uh, I don't know, just only using it as a my way or the highway, which reminds us of another recent <laughs> president. But oh man, isn't it so nice not to say that name anymore? Um, yeah, yeah. But I one think- of the things. Let me let me return to something you said before because I think it's important as well when you said, you know, whether it's Kamala Harris or the youngest Nobel, uh, sorry, not Nobel, but uh, youngest inaugural. Poet, yeah. Oh, who is? I mean, that I have listened to that um, that poem like 5,000 times. It's so good. So good. It's so good. Um, and then another person who obviously comes to mind because of her age and her influence in the, in the social activism sphere, of course, is Greta Thunberg. And Mm. there's lots of different examples like that. And you're right that we put people on pedestals. And one of the things I'm very, very deliberate about, and I have been really deliberate about in the interviews that I've chosen to do in this season is not only talking to people who agree with me mm-hmm. because those are the people that we tend to put up on pedestals, right? So I've, I've really made it a point to say, I'm interested in people who will have an honest conversation with me who are using their power and their influence to shape the world in a way that they think is better. It doesn't necessarily mean that I think that's the way the world should be shaped, Right, but they're doing it from a genuine place, or at least I'm 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 trying to talk to people who I believe are doing it from a very genuine place of this is what I think needs to happen for the world to be better. And that sounds a little bit Pollyanna-ish, but that's genuinely what I'm trying to do. And that's why I have spoken with people on the right and the left of the political spectrum and people who see the world really differently than I do. Yeah, I I think that that I don't know. As you're saying that part of my head is like can you only, you know, do power the right way if you are trying to make everyone agree with you cross the aisle? Can you 
only do power if you're using your platform for good. None of these things are, are black or white answers. But mm. I do think that you just hit the nail on the head with people who are um, doing something actively because they're like, if I could just really genuinely fix this one little thing, just a little bit, then I think that the world would be a better place. And, yeah. you know, I will completely just toot my own horn, for example, right? Like that's that's how I got started. And that's why I wrote a book and people all the time are like, how did you figure out that this was a thing to talk about? And I was like, I, I didn't. I just, I I could never shake the fact that I thought this one thing, you know, that traumatic experience that, that 22 year olds have when they're trying to break into the corporate world, that I think affects the way that they then become shitty managers later in life. And uh, like, and, and that's been something that I, you know, pride myself on. But I think what I'm getting from you today is I, I think that's also a good definition of how to, I don't know, find power or, or chase power, not for power's sake, but if you are looking for a way to be powerful, so much of that is find something that you are genuinely interested in. I don't, it doesn't have to be the purpose of your life. People to put way too much pressure on that, but find something that you are genuinely interested in and that you can actually make a little baby bit of a dent in making a difference at and just go do that until you actually, you know, make it 5% better. That's right. And I think I hadn't thought of it until just now, but it occurs to me that I think one of the reasons that when I first met you, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm going to make her my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Because I could see that in you, you know? I could really see that you had... And I don't, again, I want to stay away from these platitudes of like, oh, you know, you had this passion and da, da, da. No, you saw a problem and you were like, I am, for whatever reason, equipped to yeah. solve this problem for people, yeah. for people. And, and you then went about amassing power in order to do that. The power, how I see it, power influence, you know, whether that was the number of uh, followers you now have on TikTok. Hello. Um, or... oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Sorry, for, for those listeners who don't know, I accidentally, on purpose, but accidentally got famous on TikTok within the last month. <laughs> In the last month. But you know, you're not doing it to say, you're not saying, oh, I want, you know, I want to be an influencer because I want to be famous, you know, or, or the way people used to when I was a kid, like I want to be an actor or an actress because I want to be famous. Like the fame was the purpose. You were like, people need what I have to say so much. I have to find a way to get them to listen to what I have to say. Yeah. And that's what I mean when I say power can be done differently, right? Because you need that power. You need that influence in order to be able to affect the change that you want to affect. Yeah. You can't do it by keeping yourself small. You have to make yourself powerful in order to do it. Something I think I've told you before is on my days when I'm like, oh, you know, who am I to be doing this thing? Uh, I kind of am having an insecure moment. I think about how many assholes in the world take up just just a giant obscene amount of space without thinking twice. And I'm like, I, I got to go out there because I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> I got to take yeah. up some space because if I don't, they will just expand their their weird, obnoxious, whatever it is. Um, I This is such a kind of woo-woo word to use, 
But uh, I think the kind of power that you are, are describing, and I humbly accept that uh, compliment, is sort of this idea of being a, a vessel or a mirror for other people. Uh, mm-hmm. And I've heard one of my favorites, who someday hopefully will be on this podcast, Elizabeth Gilbert. I just adore Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, yes, Elizabeth, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Day and time of your choosing. Exactly. You know, yes, she she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and that's why a lot of people know her. But uh, so much of her life since then has been dedicated to w- what do you do and how do you continue continue to find fulfillment in your life and career after Julia Roberts has played you in a movie? Like, you know, <laughs> what do you do after theoretically the pinnacle is behind you and, and how does that, that work? But she is, you know, in the Oprah mafia. She goes and does all the big Super Soul Sunday conventions in the convention center back when that was allowed and all that good stuff. And she talks about the first time that she ever went and and did one of those speeches. And she said that she said this thing to herself before she got on stage and she was like, Liz, like, get your shit together. Like, these people, these thousands of people did not come here to see you deal with your own insecurities they need mm. you to go out there and present as a light that's going to make them feel better about about what they are and what they're doing and and make them look inward on themselves and i think there's an important nuance in that i think it's so lovely i think it it can sound on the surface like manipulation right you know like a, a cult leader or a church leader being like see like i'm gonna you know pinpoint your insecurities and and blow them up or whatever and then you're gonna give ten dollars a month you know in a check to my mailbox for my for-profit church or whatever but she didn't mean it like that she meant that she, she public figure liz gilbert is a, a vessel through which other people learn things and operate and, you know, as I am, to your point, growing my own audience more and more, it helps me to think that way because I'm like, yeah, there's there's private Alexa who, you know, sits in her sweatpants. And sometimes I sit in my sweatpants while I'm on camera. But uh, but then there's this public version of me that is still me 100%. But but I know that it's it's not, that version doesn't just belong to me. That sounds so cheesy. But I think the old school bad version of power is, you know, I'm... Donald and whatever I say goes and gosh darn it, bring me my diet Coke. Uh, Mm. And then there's this new version of how can I, I don't know, basically just act as this interlocutor for other people to connect and be able to have this ripple effect. Does that make sense? I'm using a lot of mixed metaphors. No, no, no. I totally get it. I think that's exactly right. And I think we desperately, desperately need not only to have more examples of people doing that, but to see those examples for what they are. So, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert, for example, um, or we could even go further on this one if we want to and say the lady herself, Oprah, Oprah, right? I mean, Oprah now might be seen as a very powerful person, but if we take like Elizabeth Gilbert, like that's not the word that you would associate with her. Mm. And yet, if she had said, mm, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm going to pursue this because, you know, I don't want to be seen as one of those people or if she kept herself small in some way, she wouldn't actually be impacting the people that she's impacting, right? So I think that my view is, you know, we have to 
have the examples and also see those examples for what they are. This is, this is this, you're right, this public persona that we respond to authenticity. So it has to be authentic that belongs a little bit to everybody. And they had to go out and seek this. You know, you did, you did not just get, you said like accidentally, but it's actually accidentally on purpose, right? That I don't know what number, are you at a hundred thousand yet? Uh, I'm just at about 60,000 right now, but it's only been yeah. like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I just cannot, you know, you didn't do that like by accident. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so I think that we need those examples because we desperately need more people that do have a purpose to seek power mm. in whatever field they're in. Mm. Yeah, I um, I think the the tricky part is, and this you know definitely applies to the the classic you know how do women stand up for themselves conversation. And I saw a TikTok yesterday because I'm also now on TikTok all the time uh, that said, I think I figured it out. I think that. Uh, the more self-awareness you have, the more you tend to shoot yourself in the foot because you are so <laughs> keenly aware of all the things that you do not know and all the things that you have no right to be telling other people. And, yeah. and so the more that you actually really truly understand yourself and the world around you and, and how much chaos there can be in all this, uh, the less likely you are to just kind of shove your way to the front and be like, no, 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 like, listen to me. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, that is absolutely tricky. And I think you see that, you know, so often in, in classic gender dynamics, but also just you, you look at these people who are, I don't know, on stage somewhere and you're like, who is this buffoon? And then you're like, well, they filled out the gosh darn application and they, they somehow got the opening spot for this keynote. Jesus Christ. I, yeah. I wish they hadn't, but I didn't fill out an application. So that's you know, right. There you that's go. That's right. You know, uh, uh, as everyone will know who listens, uh, I'm a member of the Liberal Democrats in the UK. And some of the members were complaining about some of the candidates we had running for a certain office at some point. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be more specific than that. Because <laughs> <laughs> and somebody in the party, somebody in the, uh, you know, the works of the party said, we can't put forward candidates that haven't applied. Mm. You know, we have to work with a pool of people who've applied. And that's exactly right. And if all the people who have, not if all the people, that's, you know, that's extreme. But if most of the people who want to see the world become a better place, as trite as that sounds, don't put themselves forward to get the influence and the power they will need to do that, we're fucked. Yeah. And that's why we have, in my view, that's why we have so many, you know, examples of cops that abuse their power or politicians that don't seem to give a shit or, you know, you pick, you pick the poison, right? Yeah. It's not because there aren't a lots of other people in law enforcement who are, you know, or in it for the right reasons. It's not because, you know, there aren't people who are pursuing policy to make a change. There's loads of those people, but those people need to also pursue the positions of actual power and influence. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you you are right. They absolutely do. And I, I see it a lot in my own line of work, right? Because I specialize in helping people to get hired. And it is so strange and creepy to me how just at about the like kind of late 20s, early 30s mark is usually when I see it. People have maybe been in their career for about I don't know, five, six years. 
and I see it happen. I'm watching it happen among you know some peers of mine right now too. Is just all of a sudden, instantly, all the men are like, "Yeah, I'm not really looking at anything that's not a VP position," you know, at this point. <laughs> and all the women are like, "I, don't, I think that I'm probably." Like, I, th- I think I'm ready to be a, a senior marketing manager, but like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, maybe I think that I'm ready for mm-hmm. it. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's time that I become a, a mid-level graphic designer. Uh, and it is, you know, so much of it is, is just systemic, the way it's all beaten into us and all that. But uh, yeah, so, so it's so chaotic to have to explain to people that like it, playing the power game is is kind of open to anybody. There's been a certain kind of way to play the game for a while, but at, at any point you can, you know, put yourself in the arena, as Brene Brown would say, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. if you go in thinking, well, I'm going to get steamrolled because only this kind of person does this, and uh, like, no, then obviously you're going to lose. And I talk to people like that all the time where they're like, well, it's, it's not fair. You know, the game is rigged, so therefore... I, I'm not going to try or something, or I tried mm-hmm. once and failed and therefore I, I can't try again. And I always kind of take issue with that because I'm like, okay, like if you said you wanted this thing and they, they told you no one time, like how do you expect to change it if you can't get in on the inside? Like let's figure out, yeah. you know, how to come at this from a different angle and we try again. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, they're so many times people use this, this phrase where they're like, well, they won't hire me. They won't, uh, we need them to, you know, defund the police. And usually whenever people use this, they or them, if you really push them on it and you're like, who is the, they or them in that sentence, basically what they're saying is like, it's not fair. I don't understand why the people in power won't do this thing that I keep asking them about very angrily. (laughs) And You know, oftentimes, of course, that's like, you know, rich old white male politicians or whatever. And like this kind of or CEOs or, or you know, or or, or something, but they all kind of fit the same profile. And it's like, well, I keep vaguely asking that that they listen to me. And I'm like, well, why don't you focus less on that and figure out how to get yourself in the room so that you can be one of the days who's making these changes? Um I don't know, but it's a helpful yeah, way for me to think about it. I have so many thoughts on that. So the first woman that comes to mind when you say that is Reese Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen her. I think she gave a, a speech at like a cosmopolitan conference or something. I'm probably getting that totally wrong. But anyway, there was a speech she gave once and you can find it on the internet, I promise. And um, she talks about why she started her own production company. And it was because there were just weren't, enough movies being made with female, enough female characters, strong female leads, uh, you know, all the stuff we have heard about for a million years, right? That, that the stereotypes that exist in Hollywood and et cetera. And she was like, I guess she kept being told, if I recall, if I recall well her speech, she said she just kept being told the material wasn't there. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing here, but she basically said that's bullshit. Yeah. And went about finding good material to turn into movies and to turn into, you know, HBO shows. And of course, it's been a wild success, an absolute runaway success. But that was somebody who said, somebody keeps telling me no. Mm -hmm. I know that it's not true. The no is not true. Like, 
the reasons for no are not true. And I also know the world would be a better place if we could get to yes. So I'm going to take it upon myself to get us to yes. And I mean, that's that's a kind of a non-political example of that. But of course, there are so many of examples, examples of that. I mean, I talked to Diane Morales about that. She's running for New York City mayor. And we talked about how women are very active in politics in the United States and elsewhere as advocates, as activists, but nowhere near as active as we need to be in being in the room where decisions are made, mm-hmm. right? Being a part of making decisions. God, I think this and happens so much in so many industries I can think of is yeah. there's like, there's the industry itself. And then there's the the cheerleading industry <laughs> that is tangentially, you know, connected by one cable to this industry, right? Uh, and I think that is to me exactly what you're describing. Like women are, you know, to your point, activists or maybe even a campaign manager or something, but not actually in the room, in the real physical seat of power. Behind the scenes power, yes. Maybe the person yes. that they, you know, got into the room never would have been there otherwise. Uh, yeah. But I, I saw that so distinctly when I was, uh, you know, more connected in with the kind of startup ecosystem in Europe. And I would be going to startup conferences and tech conferences and blah, blah, blah. And all the actual founders of, of, you know, these young startup companies were, as we know, all exclusively men, but then were just surrounded by women who were the, you know, managing director of the co-working space. And I'm the one who <laughs> will help introduce you to investors. And like every, any time a founder needed anything, it was a woman that was going to help them figure out how to get it, but it, it mm. wasn't ever actually revolving around the the woman. It was always, yeah, startup cheerleader industry. God, it used to drive me mental. Mm. <laughs> and do you know what, you know, you've challenged me on this a lot, which is I'll talk about influence as a synonym for power. And so why would I choose a word that I know is so emotive Mm -hmm. and can turn people off because people, you know, either don't like the word power, don't like what it represents, or it doesn't mean anything to them. So why am I so intent on using this word? Because I was like, that was really my sacred cow. Um, And I think it's because when when we use words like influence, what comes to mind for a lot of women or people when they think about how that applies to their own life is being that person behind the scenes mm-hmm. who's just who's just nudging, who's just influencing. Don't get me wrong, that, that is powerful in, in and of itself. But where I think that we need to do better, where, where the pain point is, is no, no. You need to be the person in motherfucking charge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like that's... That's what we need more of. And, you know, it's not just that we need more women, right? We need more voices from lots of different diverse communities, whether it's communities of color, people from, you know, different economic backgrounds, you know, different different places in the world. But the sliver that I'm working on right now is women because I think it is really solvable. Mm-hmm. We are more than half of the world's fucking population. Yeah. There is no reason we shouldn't be at least 30 or 40% of the people in charge in any industry. Yeah. You know, um, other segments are just as important, if not more, to solve, but I think are a little bit harder to solve, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I I think that's true. And also I, I will immediately cut you some slack on that because uh, I think part of the reason that um, people can shoot themselves in the in the foot really when whenever they're trying to make a, a good thing happen, you know, get women into power is this thing that happens. I Let me preface this by saying I believe in intersectionality. I advocate for intersectionality very, very intensely. And oftentimes, as soon as you say, I would like women to be in power, everyone else comes and says, well, well, why women? Isn't that a little bit racist of you? Why women? Mm-hmm. That's not really, what about non-binary people? And, and all of that conversation, it, it, it really is just kind of this tangential, like gaslighting thing, because you never said that you weren't for any of those people. It, it's, it's almost like this weird perversion of the all lives matter, black lives matter thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, all you said is I, I would like to help women and, and everybody else too would be nice because by the way, you know, when more women in power, that means more diversity and, and so on and so forth. And yes, there are all these exceptions, but like, could you just let me accomplish my fucking mission? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Can we do? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I support other missions too. And, yeah. and they're all important. It's just that this is the space I'm working on yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and also because it's, it's one I can relate to, right? I mean, I'm, not non-binary. I am a woman. I happen to be white. You know, I didn't come from a super privileged background, but I, I think it would be, it, it would display a remarkable lack of self-awareness to say that I'm not anything but privileged now. Yeah. So, you know, I also have to work on the things that, that I feel like I can influence. And that is this for me right now. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the world needs it. And I also think, you know, you mentioned this, um, women in these support support roles. I think the other thing that has really driven me wild with frustration and made me really want to work on this problem is that, we've talked about this before, is that women getting together and talking about what it's like to be a woman isn't fucking helping. Nope. It's not fucking helping, you know? And that is what so much of this space is about, you know, whether it's promoting women in business or, you know, other, other things, it's like, let's get together and talk about, you know, how difficult it is to be a woman in finance, how difficult it is to, you know, be a woman doing X, Y, or what are the specific struggles we have? No, I'm not saying that we don't need, uh, you know, camaraderie and we don't need to get advice from other women about how to approach things and how, you know, certainly I've had those situations with breastfeeding and da, da, da. I just mean when it comes to promoting women to positions of real power and influence, getting together and talking about being a girl isn't going to do it. No, I, I need to know how you managed to get on the team that was in charge of that merger and who the, That's right. who, who the hell That's did right. you, who did, like hired you and tapped you to do that because that's, I want to emulate it in my own career, right? Like, right. And I don't even, I mean, so I need, I want to know how you got there. That's part of the story. But here's what men talk about that women talk less about. They talk about what you did once you were there so that I can then learn from that so that when I'm offered that opportunity to do that, I already go in there with some knowledge and wisdom, right? And that's the kind of mentorship that we need. We don't need only mentorship that's like how to manage a family and a career. No, we need to mentorship that's like, okay, 
you want to be a creative director in tech, let me tell you what you're going to need to succeed. Let me tell you how to approach that whatever project, et cetera. And and there just isn't... I don't want to say it it doesn't exist, you know, because I'm sure it does and someone will tweet me and say, look, here's this other organization that's working on just that. But I have not seen it. And if I've not seen it, it means that it isn't prevalent enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't prevalent enough and... I, I mean, I, I've told you this before, I've walked out of, you know, massive, very impressive women in tech events because it was, let's, you know, interview an actress on how she got her body back and like, <laughs> and oh my God, isn't that, I can't believe that you acted and are breastfeeding at the same time. Like, no, that's, I, no, 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 no. Um, no. Well, you know this, that one of my my uh, uh, ideas that I put in the ring when you were going through this rebrand process was something that, even though it didn't make it to the, the head title, still I think really applies, which is the people that you have interviewed already and the people that you are hoping to continue to interview and will continue to interview are the mentors that people have usually been looking for, but either didn't know they existed or didn't know how to find them or where to find them. And, and this obsession with mentorship, you know, I'm a big believer that nobody can latch their star onto somebody else's and just cross their finger and and hope for the best. But we are all looking for examples and just these, you know, this one thing that I learned in this one podcast from Liz Gilbert or this one thing that I learned in this one podcast on on Power Done Differently, episode number 29 or whatever, uh, having more of those those realistic, this is actually really something that you could probably do if you knew that it was possible. Mm that kind of mentorship, I, I, I think that's so much of what this podcast does and, and will continue to do. You're absolutely right. And just because I couldn't put it in a three-word slogan doesn't mean that we haven't captured the spirit. You're absolutely right about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, cool. I'm, I'm excited. This is all going to be awesome. Uh, should we expect any other changes? You're still going to do the, the Tilly round at the end? With- the Tilly round is saying okay, that is feedback from the listeners uh, and also my own feeling about it was that's one of the best parts of the interview. Yeah. So the Tilly round is definitely staying, but we wanted to capture, I think, I think I wanted to be more assertive and direct with the title to say, this is really what it's about. This is really about claiming the power. Power, um, Yeah. And, and, and having examples, mentors, you know, people, people to learn from of how you can do that in a different way. That isn't all about dominance and aggression, but really is about pursuing power so that you can affect the change you want to see in your light of work, in you know, your communities, in the political sphere, whatever it might be. That's, that's why we seek power and power can be done differently and you need to keep seeking it so that you can help affect that change. Amen to that. And any specific spoilers for us about season two, the the infamous season two? Are there cool people coming (laughs) up that we should know about already? Yeah, I mean, I think what listeners will find is that we've worked really hard to have a better balance of the spheres of influence that are represented. So we had already had amazing women who 
are at the top of their game professionally. And we will continue to have those from, you know, the fields of business and entrepreneurship. But we are also emphasizing more women in politics. Now, our listeners are split pretty evenly between the US, the UK, and then some of Australia, New Zealand, some other countries. And so some of these names that I'm going to mention might not mean that much to to an American audience, but once they get to know these women, I think they're going to be amazed. So Gina Miller is one. She was a personal hero. She was completely both lionized and and villainized. Villainized, is that a word? Yeah. And villainized. Yeah. Both lionized and villainized for her role in holding the government to account on Brexit. She's not a politician, um, but she was a private citizen who took the government to court. Wow. We have um, Anna Subri, former conservative MP who lost the whip for our American audience. That means she was basically kicked out of the party for her role in vote, well, not her role, I should say, for voting against Brexit and then taking a stand against Brexit. Um, I also have a current sitting conservative MP, we have the incredible Cindy Gallup for anybody who doesn't know Cindy. Cindy's I mean, she's the an best. Absolute, she's the best. She's an absolute powerhouse founder of Make Love Not Porn, really on a mission to revolutionize the... Well, she says she doesn't work in porn, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's revolutionized the porn industry. Definitely. So women from a lot of different walks of life, but really making a concerted effort to A balance out the spheres of influence, the conversations of women who are in different spheres of influence and B, make sure that we are talking to women who really are in those positions of power. I think that is probably the perfect place to put a pin in it. I'm excited. I know you've got some cool interviews coming up again this season and I cannot wait for my next recurring cast member cameo to to pop up sometime in the future. It will be sooner rather than later, I'm sure, Alexa. Thank you so much for doing this conversation with me here today. Remote as we are still in lockdown, Whoa. but it surely can't last forever. That's what they keep telling us. <laughs> <laughs> if you've enjoyed the series so far, please do subscribe, rate, and leave a review wherever you're listening right now. It really does help us reach incredible women to introduce you to on the show. While you're at it, check out the show notes for more info on our guests and to find out how to reach us on all the socials. Thanks for listening, and I'll meet you here again next week. Like anybody, I would like to live.